Welcome to The Commentary, a weekly conversation about vision, worship, and life at Grace Presbyterian Church. I'm Mark Bertrand, the pastor of Grace, and my fellow commenter in today's episode is Cameron Brooks. Together, we'll be talking about the need to rebuild our Christian community as we enter into the post-pandemic world. We'll talk about lessons from Haggai and Zechariah that can help us in the rebuilding process and why rebuilding is going to require us to let go of our pandemic-era habits and our pandemic-era grievances as well. Cameron, I bet you remember this. It was very early in the pandemic, and we were doing one of our live stream services. You remember what that was like? Oh, yeah. Empty sanctuary and uh, just kind of uh, singing and preaching to the camera felt really strange. But one of the things that I remember talking about was the idea of getting back to normal and how the reality was there was no getting back to normal. There was no switch to flip that we would have to rebuild normal. And so we started talking about what that would mean to rebuild without realizing how long we would have to talk about rebuilding. But now I think it's safe to say that we are not post-pandemic, but we're definitely entering into the march towards post-pandemic life. And that raises the question of what rebuilding looks like. I thought it'd be interesting for us to unpack that idea of rebuilding a little bit and to try to do it in pretty practical ways. You know, what would rebuilding look like? I know you've been giving this some thoughts. Well, I'm one of those kinds of people that likes resets. I like change, and I know that's not always a good thing, but so I, I like the idea of having an opportunity to, to start fresh, turn a new page. And yeah, it's been a long process of waiting and waiting and waiting, but it does feel like we're getting to a point of not going back to normal, like you just said, but going back and, um, you know, getting rid of some of these restrictions that we've had. I guess it's, it's a matter of looking at the lessons that we've learned, maybe, over the last 14 months and asking God, okay, what, what should change? What should go back to normal and what, what, you know, needs to be left behind? Right, right. No, I like the idea of a reset. It reminds me of the way that, well, so recently I was reading the history of the the Church of Holy Wisdom in Constantinople. And, you know, this is a famous building even today, although it has the minarets and everything because of the uh, conquest. You know, it's Istanbul now. But I was surprised as I was reading to discover that this famous church, maybe the most famous church in all of Christendom, was the replacement for the original, which had burned down. And you think how many times you've heard that story before, where some building is famous, but not the original, because the original was destroyed, or even cities where there were great fires or catastrophes, and then they were subsequently rebuilt. And the thing that we know as the great city or, or architecture building, what have you, is in fact the, the rebuilding. Thinking of it that way, I think, is hopeful. Because, as you say, it's an opportunity to look at what we've done and what God has done in us that it was good and that we want to preserve and maintain and restore. 
and also recognizing where we had either gone astray or were spinning our wheels or, or maybe more importantly, the things that we, we wanted to do, but had never found the way to do. What do we want to be? Yeah. You know, what are the things we want to emphasize and, and what are the things we want to change and how do we get there in practical terms? So I suspect you chose to move through the book of Zechariah for some of these reasons. You, you know, sense that something was going on. It's interesting. Yeah. You know, so I was very surprised that we ended up in Zechariah. It wasn't a plan that I had. It was a Holy Spirit plan, but, but I was kind of brought into it belatedly. But I was amazed how relevant it's been because, of course, we looked at Haggai and then began in Zechariah, and the context is the rebuilding of the temple after the exile. And currently in our sermon series, we're up to Zechariah chapter 8, and we're looking at the halfway point in that rebuilding project. And so we've been following along as God is leading his people through a process of rebuilding and we, as the people of God today, are at the beginning of our own rebuilding process. And I think there are some lessons from Zechariah that we can apply to our own situation that are actually really practical. And I spent a little time kind of writing down some of my thoughts on that. But, but I'd, I'd rather quiz you. And, and ask, what do you think? Like just taking Haggai and Zechariah in stride, like what are some of the, the lessons there that are useful for us in a practical way when it comes to rebuilding? I think the first thing that comes to mind is that scene that we looked at towards the beginning of the book where there's the older generation of Israelites and the younger generation, and they're watching What's the event exactly that's going on? Is it kind of... Uh, I think this is the foundation of the temple and Ezra records yes. the, the mixed emotions. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's Ezra. So, and the older generation is weeping and kind of sad that it's not, the second temple is not going to be as glorious as the first temple. And, the, you know, the younger generation is like, well, this is, this is great. You know, we're rebuilding. And, and I think there's something that I'm, I'm still learning from that. We can learn from the older generation that, you know, over the last 14 months, like there has been some real loss. Right. And like, like there's been some damage done. And I think we can acknowledge that. Um, a lot of people, including myself, are very quick right now to just want to get back to whatever is normal or new, you know, just get out of the pandemic. But really, there has been some damage done. And I think even like the church, you know, capital C church has felt that. So maybe we need to acknowledge that like, yeah, this has been tough. On the other hand, the younger generation still sees something good and new about rebuilding, even if it's not what once was. So for me, I'm trying to think, rather than get lost in the ideals, let's look at what we have here and say, well, this is exciting. We have a new chance to maybe start a new small group or maybe um, you know, rethink how we do this aspect of, of our life together, worship. And so I guess learning from both of those has been one thing I've been thinking about a lot. Yeah, I like the idea of balancing both perspectives because there is sometimes a danger in moving on too quickly or in not acknowledging those losses, right? We've we've lost people, we've lost uh, parts of our relationship, you know, we've lost time we would have spent together. 
we've lost uh, some bearing of one another's burdens because we couldn't be present in quite the same way. And it's important, I think, to reflect on that. And, and even thinking of the way that Zechariah uses those memories as a reminder that the, the reason these things were lost had to do with the shortcomings of the people. Like there's a, a desire not to lose them again, like to rebuild and not find ourselves back in exile. And so I think that's helpful. At the same time, all of the prophecies of Zechariah are promises that that what is new, what is being rebuilt, will actually be better than what went before. And that's the kind of optimism I feel right now, where I'm conscious of what we have lost as a church, and yet really hopeful and encouraged by what God is doing now and what this rebuilding will look like. You know, I think one thing you definitely have to take away from Zechariah and Haggai is the importance of focusing on rebuilding the house of God. You know, the, the problem that the people had that prevented them from being blessed was that they were so consumed with their own worries and their own houses that they neglected the things of God. And so I think Practically speaking, this is a time for us not to become lost in our individual concerns, although those are real and we have individual things that we want to rebuild, but this is a time to rebuild community. It's a time to rebuild what we all have have shared and lost and, and hope to recover together. And as believers, I think the the house of God is where our focus needs to be. And and going hand in hand with that, we can't be discouraged by the scale of the rebuilding that's necessary. You know, just as they were tempted to despair because it just seemed like there was so much work, it would be easy for us to, you know, make a list of everything that needs to be done and add it to all the stuff that we never did do even before and be overwhelmed. But God keeps promising in Zechariah and to us that it's going to happen, that he's going to do this work through us. And so we want to do that work with confidence that it's true, you know, that he's going to actually do this stuff. One question I have though is, so in Zechariah, they're, they're talking about a literal temple a physical temple that they're rebuilding, which is different for us, obviously, because we don't have a physical building that we're, we're putting blocks to again. So what, it, what does that mean, rebuilding the, the house of God right. for, for us today? Well, even here, I, th- I think it's actually more relevant than it seems because, you know, one of the things we, we notice in the prophecy is that although they're talking about a physical building, we can follow Jesus's lead in recognizing that, that really the, the prophecies are pointing towards a spiritual building, and that is the, the body of Christ or the people of Christ. And I think our rebuilding efforts right now need to be focused on the same thing, the people of Christ. So focused on rebuilding one another, rebuilding our relationships with one another, uh, first and foremost. So it's not really about... Um, getting like church programs back online. It's about 
rebuilding and reestablishing relationships. In some cases, not reestablishing, but but actually kind of making them for the first time, just because of the way the pandemic has made that so hard as new people have entered into our community. So if we want to think just purely practical terms, I think, you know, my sense for how we rebuild, it really starts by focusing on our relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ and focusing on them. And what I'm going to say is like a primarily social way, you know, because I think a lot of times in church, we see like fellowship, we see pursuit of community as a means to an end, as, uh, you know, we get together as a community so that we can learn more about the Bible or something like that. But I think this is a season where we need to get together just to be together so that we might know one another better and, and reestablish those ties, which we've been faithful to as an idea and clinging to as an idea, but now we have an opportunity to practice those ideas again, and we need to take that in really simple ways. So I think I want to encourage people to, to reach out to one another, to do things together, you know, do the kinds of things together that you weren't able to do for the last year, especially, you know, and we've found all these creative ways to to stay in touch. But I mean, this is a great opportunity to see each other face to face, a great opportunity to, to share a meal together, do things that, that, you know, we either weren't allowed to do or we were at least concerned about whether it was wise yeah. to do and to reintroduce some of those just normal ways of, of being in each other's lives. You know, Sunday was my first Sunday back at Grace without the mask right. mandate and honestly singing. So I, for listeners who maybe weren't there, I was leading the music on Sunday and it was a very emotional experience for me because the singing was just so beautiful. And, mm. and I think it was one because there were more people there, but two, because right. we weren't um, wearing masks and it was just, it was just wonderful for me to, to hear and to experience worship together like that. And after the service, a woman from the congregation I haven't talked with much before came up to me and said, this was her first time back since the pandemic, I think, like right. the, whole, the right. whole time. And she said, thank you for your, your faithful leadership and, and worship over the last year. And she said, I've always, I always loved watching the live stream. Mm-hmm. And, and that just struck me as incredible first off, because the live stream, I never thought it was amazing, at least my music, you know, but that she would say that. In, in person, it was just really impactful for me. Right. And I made a kind of a new connection with her that, you know, was made because of what happened through the pandemic. I exactly. Think. Exactly. So, well, and that is something, you know, anytime you endure things together, it, it does create a bond. And I do yeah. believe that having gone through this together, that we as a church will be the better for it. You know, that, that we have made these sacrifices together and you will always know that there are these brothers and sisters in your church who completely understand what you did during this period, what you gave up, what you sacrificed, because they did too, and they can totally relate. So I think right now is one of those times where we're kind of seeing 
we have stayed more connected than we even realized because we couldn't always see and appreciate the impact that we were having. I do think one thing, as we're thinking practically, the crazy thing about time and scheduling is that even during the pandemic, people have found ways to be busy. They found workarounds. And in order to reestablish and rebuild relationships, one thing that's necessary is to break free from the COVID era schedule, like the routines and the new habits and rhythms that we've adopted because we've lived in them so long. They're not easy to just suddenly do away with. You know, I think all of us are more prone to be homebound. We're more prone to to not reach out or if we reach out to do it, you know, with a text or or a video conference or or what have you. And so I think there is going to be a need to deliberately make some choices to rearrange our schedules in the same way that you know, a busy family has to make choices about, you know, what activities can we do and still participate in the life of the church? I think all of us are going to have to to realize that in order to reinvest in relationships, there are things we're going to have to uh, give up. You know, you're not going to be able to stay on top of your watch list the way that you could when everybody else was, was locked in at night. And so there is a... a, a let's say like a decision that has to be made that this is a season for doing these things in earnest. In fact, uh, you know, Dave, one of our elders was, was telling me the other day, you know, this for him, he's kind of made his decision. This is going to be like the season of getting together with people, the season of seeing people and, and, um, and communing with them again. And I think that is exactly the right determination to have right now and and I think if you have that all the rest is is going to fall into place I like that you acknowledge the fact that many of us have developed new habits over the last year because you don't always notice the habits that you pick up good or bad and so maybe this season now is just assessing okay well what's changed in the last year that I that I maybe need to shift in order to to bring people in or to get myself out in new ways. That's helpful for me because I think especially the second half of my day, our evenings, yeah, have looked the same for a long time. Right, right. And uh, I think now is a good time to stop and wonder what God would have us do differently. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's not all bad. Mm -hmm. You know, I think for a lot of us, this time has been a time to draw closer to spouses, to family members, uh, it's made us appreciate those relationships more. But like you say, we also have other kinds of, of activities that uh, we may have to sacrifice so that we can rebuild what really matters. I think another thing we're going to have to do some sacrificing of is a sacrificing of grievances because there's a lot of forgiveness and a lot of smoothing over in relationships that needs to happen in order to rebuild. We've alluded to this in the past, but it's been such a divisive time. It's been a time when you've seen, you know, Christians against Christians, 
people dividing over the politics of the pandemic and and various kind of responses and and approaches that we've seen in society and so i think at a certain point you you have to make a determination that that the people who have offended you the people you've disagreed with the people you felt alienated from you need to forgive and you can't hold these things over their heads. You need to re-enter wholeheartedly into relationships, even with the people that that you found it really hard to do that with over this season. So where I think some of us feel like, you know, this was a hard time that really taught us who our real friends are, and now we can move forward and, and basically commit ourselves to the people that, that are like us in the church, in a Christian community where so much diversity is brought into unity in Christ. We don't have the luxury of deciding just to be in relationship with the people like us. And so this is an opportunity not only to, to build things back up, to, but to do it in a spirit of forgiveness where you know, the people who were too conservative for you or not conservative enough or whatever, that, that you're determined to rebuild those ties, I think is, is a really good thing to do. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that's countercultural because I'm hearing from some, maybe some podcasts I listen to or news sources that I, I listen to, I'm, I'm hearing and I'm seeing something else happen, which is that you need to find the people that you identify with, you agree with, and gang up with them. Yes. You know, and, and the division between different kinds of groups is becoming more stark and everybody is kind of pooling to their people. And I, I do see it, you know, I, I see it in the news, whatever, but the church can't do that. Right. <laughs> I think is what you're saying. is, And, um, well, you know, so with your, background in marketing, you know that a lot of the way we talk about community now is is based in that sort of marketing insight about tribalism, right? That we market to narrowly defined affinity groups and we encourage people to find their identity in those kinds of, uh, whether it's like your consumer purchases, the brands that you identify with, that sort of thing, or now even the politics that you identify with, because so much of that is, is so commodified now. I think as a Christian community, not only can we not afford to be tribalistic in that way, but we have to push back against the, the received wisdom that says the best way for human beings to live is to run with their tribe and and cut loose everybody who's not like them. And I know that's not easy. It's hard, especially now, to maintain those bonds. But here's an opportunity to look at the bonds that you failed to maintain over the last 14 months and to say, you know what, I'm going to make a determination to forgive I'm going to make a determination to, to make an allowance for this person who did things differently and, and saw things differently during a very hard time. I'm not going to hold it against them. I'm going to try to accept them, love them, encourage them as best as I can, and receive them back into my life. And I think you'll find in that 
gesture, something that nourishes you spiritually, that, that encourages you in your pursuit of Christ and is much more satisfying ultimately than the self-sorting way that, w- that we have of, of shutting out those, those other types of people that uh, our society encourages us to do so quickly. Right. Yeah. I mean, Paul, Paul calls it a ministry of reconciliation that we've been given. And I think that's what you're talking about is this constant push towards reconciliation. And I wonder if what you said earlier about social time, kind of for social time, not community, just to be together. Right. I wonder if that is going to be more helpful at this time at least for at least for a while, than than a more didactic setting where we're teaching and learning and, and grappling with ideas, because we just need some time to be together. Yeah, that's absolutely right. One of the things that I am moving into this new chapter with is a newfound appreciation for community for its own sake. You know, at Grace, we talk about our longing for more depth, more grace, more community, and. It's easy to think that the reason we're longing for more community is we just need some fellow learners. Uh, We just need more people who believe what we believe so that we don't feel so alienated and that sort of thing. In fact, alienation is a good way to think about this because when we talk about community now in the 21st century, you know, we always seem to do it with this idea of uh, modernity and the alienated individual So people are seeking community according to that way of thinking because they feel dislocated and and they no longer have the sort of village bonds that they would have had in a a pre-modern environment. And and it's a a struggle to be just an individual, right? You need a community to plug into. And I think that's true. I think there's a lot of insight there. But what God created in the church is a community in a a different and deeper sense than that. The church isn't just a community that exists to meet our social needs or our need to feel connected. It does that. But God creates a community because his, his gospel of grace is creating a people, right? That he's taking every kindred nation tribe and forming them into a structure, a, a, a temple for his glory, right? To occupy, to live in. And so if you th- think of it that way, you recognize that like there's no way of being a Christian individual. I know a lot of times now we think of, you know, people believe in Christianity sort of in an intellectual way. And some of the people who believe in Christianity are also members of churches, which is a completely unintelligible way of seeing this from the Bible standpoint, because all of Christ's people are in Christ's body. And he created this community with elders, with with deacons with authority structures with doctrine to be handed down with instruction that he's given all of those things exist but the community doesn't just exist in order to learn together the community has a a bigger purpose right it is the people of god brought together to glorify him through 
the realization of their full humanity. So that's a fancy way of just saying we're absolutely justified in taking time right now to spend time together, to get together without any ulterior motive, to, to get together with, with your small group just to spend time together, not to discuss the sermon, uh, to get together with your friends over coffee or lunch or whatever, just to hear about their needs and to share your your feelings and thoughts with one another, not as a sort of means to an end, uh, not even as a, you know, I need to reconnect and cultivate this relationship in an artificial way. It's just, no, I need to spend time with the people that I care about so that I can know how they're doing. And this is the season for that really, really simple kind of community, just being together with one another. So I think I would encourage people who are listening to us, don't wait for official church activities. Don't wait for someone to organize community. Make community happen by reaching out to your brothers and sisters. Also, this is a really good time to get to know your new brothers and sisters in Christ because paradoxically, you know, we've grown as a church during this pandemic and there are people who are part of the grace community uh, that you don't know, or at least only know by sight. And this would be a great time to get to know them more because it's been really hard for people who have come into our community during the pandemic to connect with us on that relational level. They need to know who we are and we need to know them better as well. So introduce yourself to new people. Introduce yourself to the people that you've seen in worship week after week, but you've never had an opportunity to spend time with. And maybe a, a, another sort of last relational thing is this is a, another good time to check in and just ask yourself, like, who's struggling and who are the people that really need some community time, like who really need to, to know that they're not on their own? I mean, that's a good question to be asking all the time. But I think especially now as it's possible to follow through on those needs. You know, six months ago, you might know someone's struggling, but, you know, a phone call, a text or whatever, um, it's not the same as what you can do now um, to reach out. And so this is a good time to, to do that. Recently, I started up a, a group, I guess you can call it, with a few other men from the church. Because I was sensing that I, I needed to be around some other men. And I, I wanted that. I was longing for it. And it felt like we could do that safely in person. And so we get together once a week for coffee. And, you know, the first time we met, it was like, okay, we'll try to get to the sermon or talk about, you know, something right. spiritual. Right. And... And we don't always get there and no offense, but those times are great too. You know? Absolutely. And, and I remember being a part of groups in the past where I've heard other, other Christians critique small groups or Bible groups, which are just accountability groups. You get together and you kind of just talk about whatever your struggles, and then you don't really dig into the word and learn anything. And sure. 
And people used to frown on those kinds of groups as if they weren't, they weren't serving any good. And I understand the critique. I understand that like God's word is to be central in our lives and that you need to do that together. But then it's really good, like we've been saying, to just spend some time together and to, to do, as Bonhoeffer said, life together. Right. And that's going to be, I think, the beginning of growing back and into community and, and bringing others in and just, you know, acknowledging one another's presence and, and listening and, and loving each other in Christ. And I think there's a trust that comes in relationship that does end up being a, a conduit for the kind of learning that you're talking about, but it's, it's, you don't always set out to achieve that. You know, sometimes it's, it's enough to just be in a relationship, to just be talking to one another, to just be, talking about the most mundane things and it can be surprising really that that suddenly a person that you've mainly known as someone to talk about sports with or someone to talk about you know science fiction or you know whatever you happen to be interested in when you do find yourself sharing spiritual things i think there is a like like an added support that that brings because it is an assurance that you're not alone. You know, it is an assurance that you're surrounded by people who have uh, similar aspirations and, and a desire to know Christ in the way that you do. And these are the people who are doing life with you in your Christian community. And so getting to know them is is definitely good. And this is a season for that. So I think, you know, this summer we have our church picnic coming up and that's always a great time to do exactly that. You know, the church picnic, you come out, uh, this will be on June 13th. You come out, you'll hang out for hours with your church family. And there's not a point in the evening where the pastor taps his cup and says, all right, now it's time for me to talk or anything like that. It's just about being together. And I would encourage people, whether it's participating in things that are organized or just making things happen and letting good things run wild, that this is the time to rebuild. And let's start by rebuilding relationships and rebuilding those, those basic social bonds and connections that we've been missing for so long. That's all the time we have for now. Hopefully this conversation has given you some ideas for how to start rebuilding your own relationships. By the way, Cameron and I are grateful for this relationship. You've been listening to us during the pandemic, and we hope this is one habit you'll maintain. Thank you for spending this time with us. We hope you'll join us next time. In the meantime, if you've enjoyed the commentary, you can rate us on your favorite podcast app and share episodes with your friends on social media. You can subscribe to the commentary on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. To find out more about us online, visit graceforsufalls.org.